This is the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 498, brought to you by iFanboy listeners just like you. Fanboy Pick of the Week podcast episode 498. My name is Connor Kilpatrick, and I'm here with Josh Flanagan. Hello. And we fired Ron. We had enough of Ron's shenanigans. Is there a thing that you would stand in line outside in Southern California for, for like a long time in the direct sun? Probably not. I'm sure there's something, but no. Ron is at D23, so not on the show yeah. right now. I specifically remember when I decided not to wait in lines anymore, and it was standing outside in the direct sun in Southern California. I was waiting for Kevin Smith to sign my Mallrats DVD. Well, and we waited there for like an hour or two or something like that. It was in, I was in Studio City, I think, and I just went, no, I'm done with this. And since then, I can't deal with lines. Well, there you go. Just walked away. <laughs> so we, we are iFanboy. We like comics. Every week we read a bunch of comics. One of us picks their favorite book. We call that the pick of the week. We'll talk about that book, other comics, other fun stuff, do some listener mail, have a good time. But here's your spoiler warning. This is a review show. There'll be some spoilers. So suck it up and deal with it. Josh. Yeah. Josh. Yes. You had the pick of the week. I did have the pick of the week. Um, I almost picked a book that came out last month, and then I realized at the last minute, oh, oops. Um, so that didn't happen. So I went with, and then I was going to say, if this hadn't been the pick, then I think for the first time I would have picked Batman number 43, uh, a Scott Snyder Batman book as my pick of the week, which I have, I don't know that I've done in a while. And I was very happy to read this book. I enjoyed it a lot for a couple of reasons. Mm -hmm. I really do like playing with the paradigm of what Batman is because as we've, we've talked about, it was really the same for a long time. And, and I think... In the mid-2000s, we had a really great run, a couple of really great runs, but like that Greg Rucka detective run was really right. good. And then after that, it kind of, it was okay for a while. Mm -hmm. But it never really changed, and then, and then Snyder took over and he did that, that Dick Grayson run, which I really liked a lot. And then it got all weird. And, and, and his Batman's run has been what it was, and I, I've definitely liked it, but they're very long arcs, so if you're in something, you're just in it. Right. So now we switch everything around again, it's a different paradigm, and, and this one... Has uh, we've seen the continuing story of Jim Gordon as the new Batman, which is interesting. And at the end of the last issue, we we see oh Bruce Wayne's not dead. What's that about? Right, he's got a sweet beard though. He does, which is by the way the key to rejuvenating tired <laughs> DC properties. Sweet uh, beards. You give him a beard. How cool would the Flash look with a beard sticking out of that mask? I think DC should go all beard. I want to see Darwin Cook's Flash, but with a beard. Like a like a thick beard or like yeah a... yeah yeah like you can, I can see the line you know like the beard is just one line it looks like rock and roll from GI Joe there you go right right I see it yeah you do yeah. see it there's no way not to uh, anyway so what we've got with this one is and it's kind of confusing at first because we don't know what the deal is with Bruce Wayne and Jim Gordon goes to see him uh, against the odds and it's very strange and, and I'm reading this like what is going on here it's like a lobotomized Bruce Wayne. Yeah, it's really weird, and then you get this explanation from Alfred, who's talking to Clark Kent, and a really interesting conversation there about what it is that made Bruce Wayne Batman, what, you know, what it, how that all works. And, and basically the answer here, and this is the spoiler part, I guess, is that 
uh, Bruce Wayne was killed uh, at the end of that last arc. And because of the stuff that was keeping the Joker alive, I forget the name of the it. Dionysium. It's not, there you go. Not, not the Lazarus, but the Lazarus. It brought him back, but it basically reformed his brain, and he has none of the memories. He doesn't have the trauma of his parents being killed in front of him. I don't know if you guys have been reading Batman, but what happened Whoa, was his parents. His parents died? His, his parents were killed in front of him as a lad. Oh, man. That's um, really traumatic. And Superman, I don't know, it's kind of interesting. Superman is, is sort of playing the devil's advocate. Like, we need to, we need to get him actually Let's traumatize this son of a bitch. Yes. And, 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 so, and then there's this whole thing where we find out that, that Bruce had actually built a machine that could <laughs> traumatize him. Well, it's interesting. But he didn't so, finish it. He's sort of like a, someone who wakes up from a coma with amnesia, right? So he's, he's still Bruce... But he's not because he doesn't have the memory and the psychological motivation or even this. He doesn't even remember the training or the skills. And Alfred basically says you put him in the suit and he's going to die. Yeah, I thought that was a really good line too. But you're right. Superman's like, well, what can we do to traumatize him? Because mm-hmm. this other guy in the suit ain't working. Um, but you're right. So, I mean, we see here the device they're going to use to bring him back, which is this machine that he's been building, sort of the ultimate that god machine in which he will be able to insert his memories and trauma into a series of clones uh, in the future when he's dead. That and is messed up. Yeah. That is severely messed up. Well, remember but, those aforementioned traumas? Like, yeah. That really fucked him up. So we see here somehow clearly he's going to get his memories re-implanted into him. But I did like the, and you pointed this out on Twitter earlier in the week, the, <laughs> the sort of future versions of... Batman, one of them, he's fighting a giant sea monster, which was cool. That, the, and the sea monster one is the most tame. There's just this, there's this two-page spread, and, and they're talking about, you know, different versions of Batman in the future, and he's, he's fighting some sewer monsters, and then he's got some sort of, I don't know what the hell that is. He's is got some tank? sort of, like, tank, and he also has, like, a glowy mace. Yeah, but he's got a suit of armor in that one, yeah. so these are all different versions, but, but my favorite was just, he's got a, like, a stand-up jet ski. And he's and I just was like, this is we, that I want more of that Batman. It's in the one future, panel. In the future, there's going to be a lot of giant octopus problems. I think that that's clear. It's because we can't find them. Right. The squids. Well, they, so well the, the global warming is going to send them to the surface, and then we're going to have problems. So that was just a really fun page. Um, and you know, overall, I, I haven't talked about Greg Capullo, but like, I feel like he's really this issue particularly looked really great. Yeah, and he's really dialed it back. Like he, I feel like he's very, like he's got a lot to do. So he's really concentrating on, on storytelling, and and like these these are very sort of complicated layouts and pages, but they're very clear. It's 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 done really well. There's a there's a scene with some sharks with horns. There's a lot in this there's issue. A lot. You're right. They, they, like as I'm going through it, trying to recount it, like there there was a ton here. And and the penguin gets stabbed in the stomach. Yeah. Like the yeah oh yeah and the penguin the penguin gets uh, royally messed up. And I really liked that scene with the penguin because I was like, oh, he's standing up to this weird hippie guy <laughs> who's really scary. Well, that's uh, the, you know, the, the main character. What is this dude's name? Mr. The doll. Mr. Bloom. Mr. Bloom. Mr. Bloom. You know, I, I, there was just a lot of things to like in this issue, and I thought it was very strong, and I thought it was a really interesting look. At, you know, I, I, you get this sense that what Scott Snyder's doing constantly is thinking about what is it that makes Batman Batman. So then, you know, this is the obvious well, what if you take out those experiences? What do you have? And you have this guy who works in a community center with kids and has a, a, a great girlfriend, uh, you know. Julie Madison with tattoos. I saw the tattoos. I had a lot of thoughts about 
this one and the next two we're going to talk about, which are all similar thoughts. So I might as well do them here. Okay. Which is, if you have to do this story, you might as well do it like this. Which means, you know, right now we have Batman who's not Bruce Wayne again. And we have the constantly unpowered Superman. And those aren't my favorite Batman Superman stories. But if you have to do them, you might as well do them at this high level in this, in this interesting storytelling. I mean, I'm not thrilled with the overall status quo. But if, if we got to deal with that now, you might as well do it with these stories. Bearded Bruce Wayne doesn't not look like the bearded Superman from they the, the other issues. They have the same same face. They're, yeah, no. Uh, no, I, I agree with you for the most part. Although that that doesn't bother me. The depowered Superman thing is Yeah. It's kind of interesting. I don't I guess I don't know that I like how it works. Plus the device where he's constantly, Oh, I just depowered myself. Yeah, that's before the, the story that's, started. If, for example, what they had done instead and this is totally armchair quarterbacking, but what else are we here for if not right. this? I think if when they had rebooted DC, or even when they had just sort of done it after whatever the last two-month thing was, it was just sort of the status quo, and we didn't have to explain it, that Superman is much less powerful than he used to be. Right. Superman is, 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 you know, golden age powers. Or even even go back to, was, was it Burn? Around, Burn Man of Steel? Yeah, they, they depowered him there, too. Yeah, like, Not and, fully, and just say... This is the status quo, and, and he's got some limitations. Right. Um, he gets stronger as the story goes. They just didn't want to... They didn't want to put... They did, it felt like they didn't want to put the mileage in. You know, they didn't want to tell the story. They wanted to get to the story. Which I, I respect, but you can also do that by just saying, this is the status quo now. Like, this is... Boy, Batman with the candy cigarettes, weird. Is that what that is? Yeah. I, I don't even like candy cigarettes. He's been chewing... He had been chewing on the candy cigarettes to get over so his... So that's his, that's his inner burning rage? Yeah. So okay, and then just like I really liked, I mean the explanation between Alfred and and Clark was was pretty lengthy, and there was a lot of words in it. But I, I liked the thought behind it. Mm-hmm. I like that. I like where Alfred was with that. He, he's really Snyder's really got that relationship between them down, and and Alfred is Bruce's caretaker, which right. is the hardest job in the world. He still doesn't have a hand though. I don't. I just ignore that. See, I didn't even. I didn't even think of that. Well, there's this there's this shot where he where we first see the device and his his arms are wide open, mm-hmm. and uh, no hand. You just put a Creed song in my head. You <laughs> Don't think I didn't think about that as I was saying it. Oh yeah, there it is. I think I just thought that was an art mistake. So, I'm just gonna go ahead. That's like whatever the art equivalent of a typo is. That's what that right. is. Oh, it okay. looks like he just forgot the hand. You know, gotta give it up to comic book artists. You don't see those kind of things very often. Hey, you didn't put a leg there. <laughs> They always uh, professional. Here's the thing about a professional comic book artist: they will usually in. draw most of the body parts. <laughs> always good for at least two legs. That's, there's your dividing line. Like you want to, so you want to be a professional comic book artist. Can you draw both legs? Yeah, can you do that? And there, you know what? There's some who can't. That's true. All five fingers. Mm-hmm. So that was. I, that, I think this was a fantastic issue. Of Batman. Batman has obviously been one of my favorite books for the last 43 months, but this was one of the standout issues. I really. I mean, I like it. I like the idea of it. I like that they're going to. Yeah. I mean, you see where they're going with it, and but it was it was it was a it was a really good issue, uh, and I'm and I'm I'm happy about that. Let's talk quickly about Batman it's, Superman it's Sharks with Horns. Batman Superman twenty three. Oh, that was creepy. This is the story in which uh, the new Batman Jim Gordon has been teaming up with Deep Powered Superman, and the funny thing about this issue was that so in this issue Superman goes down into the depths to to fight this uh, subterranean society that's threatening the surface level as they always do 
And it's not Mole Man, but it's uh, Ur- Uruk or something like that. King. King Uker. Uker. And uh, there's a lot of like... King Bob Uker. So at one point he has to pretend to be one of these soldiers to infiltrate the society. <laughs> and he runs into some people, from, some Gotham penitentiaries who had escaped into the depths of the earth underneath, when, the, when the prison cracked open. And they live down there now. And there's a lot of like, hey, uh, I don't know what's going on. Why don't you explain everything to me? Yep. There was a lot of that. There was a lot of that. And, and, and I... <laughs> it's like, shouldn't you know something about the society? Soldier? Yeah. No, no, I don't. Please explain to me what this all means. So they were... Were they prisoners? Or did you say they were guards? No, they were prisoners. Oh, okay. Yeah. Gotham prison. She was like... She was in Third Strike, the woman that he talks to. I have a feeling that it would be very difficult to move to this society. Right. Perhaps even more difficult than living in the lower working class or, or the sort of lower end of, of society uh, in a modern America. But maybe Gotham is really bad. Well. But I think at one point you'd be sitting around like, man, I could use a Gatorade. Like, don't have <laughs> or that. the sun, really. Yeah, that's, that's a good one. Well, they were so, going to steal a sun. So let's use this issue to talk about Jim Gordon's Mohawk. How do we feel about it? I don't like it. Right. I don't like that mohawk even more than I don't like Alfred's hand. I, this is what I was talking about in that Batgirl issue a few months ago where he shows up at the trench coat mm-hmm. to go meet his daughter, but he's got the mohawk. And it's just like, nothing about this makes me comfortable. I recognize that there is... Okay, here's the thing. Maybe there is some mechanical advantage to having the sides of his head exposed when wearing that cybernetic suit. Right. But the top. I, this, yes, this, is what, this is what I'm getting at. <laughs> it's going to be a lot less visually disruptive to just shave that off but also like from a very distant vantage point of a design standpoint you want your character to be recognizable right in a comic book form and you you got to give him this you always know who you're looking at true except you're thinking he's stupid that's not, that's not jim gordon <laughs> this is hashtag not my gordon <laughs> he's also de-aged a bit uh, quite a bit yeah. yeah well he's got the muscles they've mentioned that but i, I don't know it'd be interesting if he was muscular but had Wrinkles. Some of the lines left in his face. He's not the old man Gordon yet. He's not white-haired Gordon, but he's still no, but he's, he's still middle age, like he's early 40s. middle aged. He's at least my age. At least, sure. He's in his forties yeah. for sure. We'll say forties. So, you know, given those lines, I think that actually works better. And it makes it more with, interesting with what he's doing. Yeah. Um, and it and it, it roots you a little bit because I think that as he's getting passed around, like there was three books with these two characters in them, and, right. and it was a little. Like, by the end, I kind of was like, what's happening? Which one? <laughs> um, uh, not the pick of the week. I, I had that because I read that first. But um, I really liked the Perry White scene in this, by the way. Yes. I love, I love like, betrayed Perry White. Um, that's one of the only things that, like, like everybody else who's turned against Superman, I was kind of like, oh, come on. But Perry White, newspaper man, he turned against Clark Kent. That I understand. I right. thought that was a really nice touch. It was a good scene. And then it ends with the cliffhanger and that somehow... Aquaman has teamed up with Uruk to fight the surface world. Mm-hmm. Which doesn't really... We'll see. It doesn't make a whole Aqu- lot of sense. Aquaman's junk in that uniform. That's. <laughs> Listen, DC's got a serious costume problem. <laughs> it's, like a, it's like a design disease going on around. You're like, Don't touch that guy! Start putting collars on people. It's just like he's wearing an orange chainmail skirt, but they cut the front out. So let's assume... Crotchless skirt. Let's assume that that is Aquaman. Yes. From the Aquaman book that's going on. I don't see any way that that makes sense. Right. 
Because look at Yurik's red eyes and horns. Clearly evil. It's clearly evil. I mean, I don't know a lot about evil, but I know. Red eyes, no pupils, horns. Evil. Well, what about Blue Devil? What color are his eyes? Uh, I don't know. Blue is less evil color. Yeah, totally. It's more soothing. Yeah. It's a, I, it's a cool color. Like the ocean. Action 43. This was the sort of counterpart to the Batman in which I thought, well, if we constantly have to tell stories where Superman has no powers, I guess this is the way you, you, you do it. But <laughs> it is getting a little grating where it's just constantly like... At first they told us it was like his powers were gone for 24 hours... And now it's a little bit longer, and now he just hasn't had powers in forever. I feel like we've been in this same scene on this same street, though, for three or four issues. Right. So in that sense, I don't think that what you're saying, I don't know that that matters because it really hasn't been 24 hours. But at the same time, it's been three months of my life. Right, exactly. And I don't know what's going on anymore. And it was kind of interesting for a while. But like, like we just got out of the street and we went up to his apartment where somebody has... I didn't love this. I wanted to. I love the art. Yeah. I, I think Aaron Cooter is getting better with every single issue, mm-hmm. and it looks—he looks super. I really like his Superman in this. I like yes. the—I like everything that he, in that design and how he looks right now. But I think we need to get on with it. And it seems as if the shadow people have infiltrated everything about Metropolis. Yeah, that's kind of like one of those comic book tropes. Like all of a sudden, like they were all here, everywhere, all along. It's Hydra. Right. It's whatever. Yeah. I, I mean, like it's not. Poorly done. I just, I just kind of want to like. All right, let's see what the next thing about it is. It's going a little slow. Yeah, I just, I just have a hard time with. I mean, I like the execution. It's just, I have a hard do time you, with Superman in this, in this do way. Do you think you and I just want to go back to the way things were? Yeah. I mean, like, what, what are we on? Forty three, so almost four years ago. Yeah, pretty much. Just put, just. Put, well, not four. I go further back, further back. You put Jeff Parker and hire Chris Somney for a shitload of money. Have them do Superman. Yeah. There are other names, away. but they won't work. Yeah, well, get you know, get rid of that. Yeah, Mark Wade and Chris Somney—that's fine too. <laughs> I, I just—I'm gonna—I'm gonna stick with Chris Somney on that. Or Darwin, give Darwin Superman. You know, they—they they really can't be. Superman has a very limited amount of cape here, and he really shouldn't have given away fifty percent of it. I like that though. I my favorite parts are him dealing with the folks. Mm-hmm. You know, just on the street, like you know, talking to him, doing his thing. You're all Superman now, which I laughed at. <laughs> We're all seven years. I, I want to I have a scene where Superman tries to do some sort of maneuver in his tight jeans and he can't bend over. I assume he's got some of them, some of them ones that got. They're, those aren't raw selvage. Those have some spandex to them. All right. You'd have to. He has whatever, whatever the suit was that Daniel Craig had in the first act of Skyfall. Right. He's he, on the train. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and it, it, the suit just moves where he needs to and it comes out looking perfect. That's what these are. God, it's such a good suit. I assume. Such a we, good got, suit. we can't get off on this tangent. I, I know, but I just thought about the suit for a second. <laughs> it looked amazing. So, uh, listen, I know that I've said a lot of things about black science over the years, and I stand by them. Mm-hmm. But is there a better-looking book than Velvet? No. No. There's not a better-looking book. Is there a better spy than Maximilian Dark? <laughs> I love the 70s haircuts. <laughs> it makes me so happy in this. <laughs> so, so we uh, this isn't, this was an act break, right? This is the start of the new uh, the new the new arc. The man is yeah. called the world, and we meet Maximilian Dark, the greatest spy in the world, according to himself and his memoir. And he's which he, which, he's, which he just let her read. He's American. Yeah, I think so. I didn't realize that for a while. Yeah, it was it was a bit confusing because she says I, she says at one point it's time to go back home. I was like, oh, yeah, she, but they're in was London. She American? 
No, no, they're in London. She's telling him it's time to go back home because oh, he's going to meet her and she, he's going to meet. She's going to meet him in the U.S. Uh, with the World Trade Center back there. She's in her flying squirrel suit. I feel like in the '70s, Gramercy Park wasn't the best place to meet. Uh, you, didn't, you still need a key. I don't know, but there's a good chance. Of course you did. You always needed a key. There's a good chance there's a lot of junkies and shit going on there. Not in Gramercy Park. In fact, of all the parks, that's the best one to go to. I guess. I'm, I mean, right. you could hop the fence, I suppose. But. Look at that shot of her gliding through Lower Manhattan. With the, I am. I'm looking directly at it right now as we speak. I really like the coloring on the sort of background of the city and that and then the Gramercy Park shot, too. This is a great week for Ed Brubaker. We'll talk about Certainly the is. fade out a little, in a little bit. But the tough thing about these books, if there's only one thing I could say that's tough, is that they're so... Uh, in, there's so deep and so many characters and so many relationships and so many people backstabbing each other and reveals that I st- sometimes you have to l- go back and reread some stuff. And some, yeah, and some of the, the men are difficult to tell apart from one another. Like, there's a bunch of 40-ish, grayish white men mm-hmm. who have been involved in this story, and I've lost track. And at one point she said something about her husband, and I was like, you were married? <laughs> kind of remember that. Right. But, he, well, this is actually a really good example. We were just talking about if they just put a couple of lines on uh, Mohawk Head on his face, mm-hmm. it'll give you a different kind of thing. And this is exactly what they do with Velvet. Like, I, I don't know of many, in comics, any super female superheroes or, or characters along the, who are drawn as that age. No, they're not allowed to age. I know, and it's really, it's really interesting. I like it. Like, but the dudes, he, too, even. The dudes are... Yeah. I mean, I mean everybody's, even, everybody's sort of middle-aged in this book. Yeah, and they, you know, like, you know, uh, Reed Richards is supposed to be like that, but he's not, you know, right. and, and I don't know, that I'd be interesting if they did that a little more, but it's something I really like about this book, and, and uh, Epting's commitment and, and quality at yeah, drawing it, you know, and just, like, you always know who she is, and you can always see, like, she's obviously beautiful, and she's sexy and capable or whatever, but she's older, right. um, and, and I, that obviously is a huge part of what it is we're, we're reading here as a story. And this is a book that does not skimp on backgrounds no. and environments. Like, and I don't, I'm not, I don't necessarily have a problem with that in other books. A lot of my favorite artists don't really do backgrounds either. But, I mean, this is a book that feels very lived in, and there's a world in the background happening. There's True. a lot and of details. I, I mean, the thing is, uh, some of that has to go to um, Betty Brightweiser, I think. Because mm-hmm. on panels where there isn't anything, she managed to put something there. Right. Like, he puts it in when you need it. Um, but but if there's a bit where you don't like, she's she's definitely got textures in there that still make you feel like the characters are in a space. Right. Um, what do these people do in Spine? They should be at Bowie shows. <laughs> Bowie. <laughs> so this, this is another great issue. Yeah, it was a, it was excellent. Could it, that could have been pick of the week also. So uh, so now did you read Phonogram the Immaterial Girl number one? I did. So this is the third series of Phonogram. Phonogram from Kieran Gill and Jamie McKelvey. And Matthew Wilson on colors, Clayton Cowley's on letters. But uh, this is, Photogram is interesting. It's been a long sort of saga. The first series came out, didn't really. A, a long time ago, I realized. A long time ago. This. Didn't really light the world on fire. Second series came out, a lot well, more. It started two careers. Well, yeah, but it, tales-wise. And sure. It was a different world back then. And then the second series came out. It was still a different world, but it was a lot more. People read that book. But I remember a little behind-the-scenes stuff. We had dinner with. Uh, Kieran and Jamie after Comic Con one year, and they were just so upset they couldn't even they couldn't sell the book. They couldn't make a living off Phonogram. They, nobody was buying it. And uh, now the world has changed. They're bigger stars now. Uh, Wicked and Divines made them a big deal. 
and uh, as, long as, well, as well as other books. And uh, now they're doing Photogram the Material Girl, the part three in this series. And it's kind of f too bad that Ron's not here <laughs> because uh, I have a tenuous grasp on what's going on here. As do I. Part of that has to do with that I read the last one a really long time ago, and I didn't really know what happened in it. Right. The second thing, I mean, the, the, I'll be honest, the reason that I came along with this is I wanted to see how the work had changed from two creators who were much more mature than the last time I read this mm -hmm. uh, in their work, not their behavior. I don't know how that works exactly. Um, and, and, and Jamie McKelvey had actually put up some pictures of how he used to draw Cole as opposed to how he draws him now. And it's a huge difference. Um, you know, we've got this colored now, and that's a difference too. But, but really, I mean, the, I the second one was colored. Yeah, no, I know, but but even just like the line work of how they, you know, how they appeared in the first uh, first series as opposed to now is is a pretty big deal. Right. And I just think his storytelling is 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 much improved. He he just does. It, I mean, look, you can tell it's the same guy, but he definitely has some more techniques. I like again. I don't know. This is almost like a theme. Like the characters are more aged now. Mm -hmm. um, so we get to see that, and you get to see how the, an artist sort of changes people around a little bit. Well, we follow them through time here. This yeah. story starts in 1980-something, and it ends... I mean, it jumps It around. ends in the Take On Me video. I mean, let's be honest, that's <laughs> where it ends. And then I'd you've like got to, to be impressed by that. I would like to explain the story here, but, but I can't. All I can say is that the little girl starts by watching the Take On Me video in 1980-something in South London, and it ends... Uh, as an adult going into the Take On Me video. Well, people and, love uh, to correct us. Yes. The two Jamokes. So yeah. here's what I think happened. Okay. There's a group of these folks who used to all go hang out together around 2001. They're the right. Coven. Yep. Cole is one of them. They're all kind of into this magic that is somehow hooked into pop culture, pop music. Emily. Music. Cole. Or so. This girl traded half of her personality for some powers. Mm -hmm. For some magic powers. And then uh, many years later, currently, or actually no, it was 2009, doesn't matter, uh, that other half of her uh, sought its revenge on her by placing the half that had stayed out inside the music video. End of issue. Uh, that sounds good. Mm -hmm. I'll take it. Yeah. And he does the thing at the end where he explains all of the stuff that's in it, which I think is nice, uh, although I don't know that it helps in all of them. Uh, yeah, but it's interesting because I really liked the second series of this, which, if I recall, and again, it's been a long time, seemed to be mostly vignettes from a bunch of characters at a party. Mm -hmm. And I like that a lot from, from a character singles standpoint. Club. Yeah, singles club. I like it a lot from a character standpoint. The first phonogram I, I, I was completely lost on. This one, I'm sort of in the middle of those two. Yeah. That's good. I mean, it looks great. It does look great. And I think I, I'm getting a lot more of it than I think I used to. So Yeah, totally. Uh, that's either them or me. <laughs> a little both. Yeah. So if you would like to support iFanboy, then we have a very easy way to do that. You can go to iFanboy.com slash support, and you can do a couple of things there. One, you can go to the Amazon link there, and anything that you purchase from the mega online retailer Amazon.com, you may have heard of it, uh, will uh, a little piece of that will come to us. We have what is called an affiliate account. Um, it's a very easy and simple way to contribute, and and uh, it's actually it's fairly significant. So so if you you know do that, make that your link. Um, that would be very helpful. If you are a frequent buyer, it costs you nothing in times of effort, time, or money. So you may as well. 
Next up, you could contribute more directly. You, can, uh, you could uh, purchase an iFanboy membership, which is uh, you give us money for saying, hey, I like what you do. It's important to me. I want to keep it going, and I'd like to show that. Uh, you can do 3 bucks a month or $30 a year, uh, or you can just do any, any donation that you wish. It's up to you and everybody who does that. Uh, we thank you very much. It's, uh, it does keep us going, and uh, you're all wonderful people, and your karma uh, will be complete. Namaste. <laughs> is that how you use that? So I fell off Stumptown a while ago. During the last arc? I think it was during the second issue. Huh. I never went back. I think I missed oh, it and just never went back. Why? I don't know. Is the thrill gone? I don't know. I didn't love that first issue. Wait, that was the soccer one. Yeah. Right. I didn't really love it. Didn't love it the got art. better after that one. Yeah. It definitely got better after that Listen, one. Listen, if you hand me a collection, I'll read it. Mm-hmm. But that's how far it is for you now. A book that you used to really, really love, and you need somebody to hand you the collection. I'm just saying, I got a lot. I can't I think of, of any examples of a series that I have that is like that, All except right. for one glaring omission. Are you still we... reading uh, war, uh, no. war stories? So there you go. If somebody's going to hand me a collection. <laughs> exactly. This is my war stories. Yeah. Is it okay? I, I feel. I, you know, that makes me feel really good. So, Stumptown Seven came out. Apparently, I'd missed uh, Stumptown Six, which is the first issue of of a new arc in this third volume. Uh, if you're following along, uh, that first one was all about footy in the town of Portland mm-hmm. and a murder or beating. I don't remember. Yeah, there was a beating murder. Yeah. So in one. this one, it, what we're really getting to is that Dex is he's really hitting the. She. Oh, he. Oh, she. She. Uh, he, meaning Greg Rucka, is right. really hitting on the sort of, I guess, weekly serialized Rockford Files premise. Mm-hmm. So this case is about some rich uh, people who are competing for very rare coffee that is grown in cat poop. Oh, yes, I've heard of that. Right. So, like, one tech millionaire is paying her to pick up, like, three pounds of this amazing coffee while another tech billionaire uh, wants to get it from him. It's weird, and it's, it's fun to read. There's actually a really good personal story going on with Dex's sister and then her, you know, her brother Ansel who lives with her who is uh, developmentally challenged. That part's really interesting. It's a little tough to wrap my head around this other coffee thing because it feels like there's no stakes, but apparently I'm sure there will be stakes. You haven't tried the coffee. You don't know if the stakes are high. I don't know. I'm guessing I wouldn't like that kind. It's like, it's like oh, this is, this is too good for me to really know the difference, unless it is so good that... I feel like there's this level of gourmet stuff where it's so good that most people really don't it's know. It's kind of like when you get bored with regular sex and you got to really, get, really get risky and extreme. I can't say I have experience with that. I'm just saying this sounds like that's the coffee equivalent. Yeah, okay. That works. Hey, this was grown in elephant dung. Oh, really? <laughs> that being said, uh, I didn't actually, like I said, I didn't read six. I didn't read the first issue. This completely got it. You could totally pick this up and not be lost at all, especially if you've read this before. Um, and the artist uh, was Justin Greenwood. And I'm trying to remember if he was the person who drew the last one. But it's very, I really like the art a lot. It's very loose. It's very sort of uh, cartoony, I guess, in, in, in the good way representational but it was guy i will i will keep reading this there's something about it it's very portlandy like some of the villains are literally like they're like oh those are pdx hipsters and they're like the villains but she kicks the shit out of them because they're not really threatening right twice but there's definitely good stuff here and his heart's in it so i'm gonna keep reading it and then you should probably find somebody to hand you it okay so the fade out the new issue came out and this the fade out continues to be the book where i look at it and go it's only number eight Oh, which is a good thing. Which is every month I do it. You think I remember, but I don't. Mm-hmm. 
this was a great week for for Brubaker, and I I was thinking about how lucky we are to be reading these books back to back together and because they're just so good. And they're different kinds of stories, and uh, I wouldn't want to choose one over the other because they're they're so wonderful. But this is this particular story story and this particular subject matter really you know hits me where I live. So I, I like I love everything about this book and. We're seeing a lot more of the piece. The pieces of the puzzle come together in this murder mystery of who killed the uh, young starlet in, in old golden age Hollywood. And uh, I love this issue. Um, here's why I didn't read this. Okay. I gave away a lot of comic books this week <laughs> to a uh, to a fan of the show. Yeah. Someone who I've known I know through, through social media. I said, "Anybody want these?" And he was like, "I'll be there. I can do that." And I was like, "Come." And I don't believe that he was expecting. The volume mm-hmm. that we had to cram into his vehicle. Right. It's the very heavy uh, boxes straining against the weight. I, I, and I accidentally threw this issue in there. Well, that was dumb. Yep. Yeah, it was. So, and I was like looking for, because what had happened is it ended up in my stack last week. And then I was like, oh, I don't have to read this now. This is for next week. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, and then I, put it. It, I put it in the wrong pile and then I sent it away. It's somewhere in northern Vermont now. Well, there's a lot of interesting things that happen in this issue. The main character, who looks like Sean Phillips, Charlie Parrish, he is starting to remember more and more. He goes to a he goes to a Hollywood Halloween party in disguise as the as sort of a uh, Invisible Man character, and uh, learns a lot more about what's going on. And his uh, buddy, who looks kind of like Gregory Peck and Clark Gable had a baby, Earl Rath, is starting to possibly emerge as a new suspect in this murder. But mm. In this issue, he's really busy getting. A three-way blowjob. So there's four of them total. Yes, four people. Okay, he's one of them. Huh. So it's nice. <laughs> well, it's nice for him. <laughs> nice to be famous. I guess. So it's complicated. I just love this world, and I love the old Hollywood. I love how screwed up it was, and and uh, you you find out a little bit more about what exactly the lengths that Victor Street Pictures goes to protect their stars, mm-hmm. and it's uh, pretty rough on some people. I'm gonna say two words to you. Sydney Korshak. <laughs> if you're listening at home, you know what that means? That's a thing. Otherwise, eh, we're not going to tell you. Starve, number three. Maybe kind of hungry. I can't be believe this isn't a Vertigo book. I, if there's no other book that I have read in years... It should be a Vertigo? Like, yeah. It just makes me feel like I'm reading a, a Vertigo book, and I think that's part of why I like it. Well, it's also really good. No, it and is. And strange. And really strange. Yeah, totally. And it's, it's, it's very, like huge and silly but also very personal at the same time it's a mm-hmm. it's a lovely mix it's yeah. uh it's very good and i just wanted to check in on it i feel like we've added a lot to what this story is and who these people are just in the three issues mm-hmm. of what we sort of originally thought it was going to be it's very easy to i mean there's a format it's it's each issue seems to be one episode of their their very extreme uh, Hit reality, reality show yeah. starve yeah but, but, you know, the relationship that's being built up between the main character and his daughter and then how their mother fits into that mix and his rival, who's the host of, of Starve, and it's real good. It's very satisfying, and, and it's so vertigo-y. If there's one negative, I'd have to say, and this is, seems to be a theme of this week's show, which is uh, aged characters, is that the mother, Greer, uh, looks like she's wearing a mask. Hmm. Maybe she's wearing a mask in this future world where the one percent is run, running roughshod over everybody. But just there's the scene where we we, we see her at the brownstone watching uh, a Star of Promo, and she's on the phone, mm-hmm. and before her daughter comes home, uh, it just looked like to me she's wearing, she was wearing a mask. Oh, I see what you're saying. I feel like that has to do with 
Zhejie's sort of drawing style. No, I, I totally get that. I just, it just, and I get what they're trying to do. They gave her some heavy lines around her eyes, and but then there's like no other lines in her face. She kind of looks like the Joker if you color yeah. it differently. Yeah. But yeah. anyway, that's a minor thing. Uh, a lot of this issue had to do with butchering a pig. If, if you're it certainly did. If you're sensitive to that kind of thing, you probably shouldn't read Starve. I'm I'm not even sensitive to it. I didn't really want to read all that. He does this thing where he sort of uh, Brian Wood. Uh, no, Daniel Zayze, where yeah. he he sort of bends and distorts the backgrounds. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, he 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 futzes with the vanishing point. Like it's not like Jock would always do a thing where he sort he of put a it. wide angle lens yeah. on it. This is a little different. It's almost like you know, like a Beetlejuice house, right? Like, like he just sort of took the back of it and stretched it back a little bit and pulled it off to the side and tweaked it. And it gives everything a very eerie quality. It doesn't look like anybody else. I really like it. We haven't gotten to the point in our society where we're butchering pigs live on the air, but we're not that far, I don't think. Oh, I don't think we're far from that at all. I mean, Fear Factor brought us right to the line. True. I just, I got really hungry reading this issue. I'm sure. Let us discuss Letter 44. This is a check-in sort of uh, episode, I think. Letter 44, number 19, um, which is uh, Charles Soule's Oni book, which uh, is really a combination of a lot of things that I like, and I, I think a lot of things that the, the author likes as well. Like letters? No, but it's like a little bit of West Wing. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit of like a natural disaster movie. The world's at war. There's aliens. There's science. There's all sorts of stuff happening. And at this point, like World War Three is actually happening in the book because everybody knows that there's aliens and and all these conspiracies are going on and there's like a lot of plates spinning in the air and uh it's very cohesively told. And and I don't I don't you know, they're all original characters, everything is is just moving along really nicely and I, it's uh So where are we at now in the story in particular? An a- asteroid is coming to hit the earth and it's oh, gonna geez, be an asteroid too? Right? Um, and they asked the aliens far away, the, the, the astronauts who'd gone out there to see them if they could help. And they were just like, nope. <laughs> and then you find out, you know, like the old president, the George W. Bush is, is like, he's behind everything. Because well, uh, he's trying to do the right thing. Uh, and then there's like all these conflicts between the aliens and the astronauts and the people on Earth. The whole time though, they're also telling the backstory. There's a ton going on. It's, it's really a fun book. And I like it a lot. That's and good. I didn't mention the artist, and I should have uh, something Albuquerque. I can't remember his last name. I'm getting there. Hang on. Here we go. Alberto Jimenez Albuquerque. Oh, nice. Uh, who, who does a fine job. And he has all these, like... Is he, is he the same guy from the whole time? Yeah, yeah. He's got all these big action sequences that are really well done, but also, like, a, a cast of regular people without uniforms, and, and, he's, and he's very good at having us know who they are. It's good. So Lando number two, this is number two? Yes, yeah, yeah. So number one, I recall, was the great Lobot debacle. Uh, uh, Lobot, he did not adjust the way that he writes. Lobot, <laughs> we're talking about Charles Soule. Again, sometimes you get a little praise. Sometimes you get a little the opposite. You know, the book's actually good. Like, it's a, it's a well-done book. And if it wasn't for that fact that Lobot just seems really weird. Low. And let's be honest. It, let's, it's beyond that. Alex Maleev doing great work. You know, but who out there among us? Like, what percentage of people is like, that's not Lobot? Hashtag not my Lobot. <laughs> Boy, we're really... We're going to just drive it into the ground yeah. and then just get down in the ground, dig deeper, and then go mm-hmm. further with it. Yeah, they, you know, they stole the, they stole the uh, Emperor's pleasure yacht. Uh, there's risky. double crossing going on. 
uh, at one point uh, after they escape, one of the Imperials like is like, well, I'm going to kill myself now. And he raises the gun to his head because he failed the Emperor and he knows that he's hosed. And then there's a really great cliffhanger at the end where you kind of go, yes, of course that would happen. And then... Uh, this Lobot satellite with the Colt 45? <laughs> you want me to, well, I can tell you. Oh, I'd like to know. I'm not going to read it. I'd like to know. Uh, they open it because they're in the they're in the uh, Emperor's private ship, which has lots and lots of artifacts and things that are worth a lot of money. They open the door to one of the chambers, and the last page there's two of those uh, red Imperial guards standing there, and they stab Lobot through the chest. <laughs> so maybe that'll take him down a peg. Oh, maybe maybe this is where Lobot comes a robot. Well, he's already got the implants, though. Hmm. He's like, don't worry, I got this. I can open the door. Because <laughs> as we know, those Imperial guards—they're the best, of the best. They're the best of the best. They don't mess around. A lot of people don't know that. They just think that there's some red dudes who stand around back no, there. No, 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 no. No. Those are the best of the best being squandered, standing around while the emperor argues with his grandkids. Mm-hmm. Oh, he was having so much fun, though. And they love to see him happy like that. <laughs> oh, I think you will know. Oh, good. Good. <laughs> well, that's fun. Yes. I'm excited yeah. for, for like, it's, it's a well-done book. I'm not excited for it. Lobot should get together with the penguin and discuss how to survive being stabbed through the stomach or chest area. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. He does. He continues to talk very colloquially. In oh, this. I think Lando sounds great. I think the voice for Lando is spot on. Well, it's hard not to do a good Lando. You truly do know how to do a good <laughs> Lando out here uh, among the Skype. So those are the books we're going to talk about this week. Go to fanboy.com. you find the post for this show. You can talk about these books, other books that came out this week. Whatever you thought about comics for the, this past week at ifanboy.com. And let's do some listener questions. We have a first one is from Justin, who says, Have you ever done an ironic pick of the week? Has there ever been an episode devoted to the worst of a specific time period? Is there a book that when you look back on it, you can't believe you previously enjoyed it? People are always looking to find the negative on this show. Yeah. And, 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 and there are moments in our past, not on the pick of the week show. But on the pick of the week. The written one. The written one before yeah. there was anyone shot. was watching, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, where we did do that a little bit. You did You did an ironic one. I did one. I did, was it the... All-Star Batman. All-Star Batman number one. I don't know. I don't think it was number... Was it number one? Whatever. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I yeah, 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 yeah. It was. Because I picked number three as a legitimate pick of the week, and you picked number one as an ironic one. Yeah, so we did that once, and then one time you guys picked a whole bunch of books. No, 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 no. Ron did that. Ron did that? I thought that was Ron. I was at his, I was at his house because mm-hmm. we were going to your wedding. Okay. But he did that. And mm-hmm. I over my strong objections at his house. I, that is a thing that you would object to. Yeah. So we have done an ironic pick. I don't think we would have done that when we had the show. No. In fact, I mean, this gets to the, the heart of sort of a question that I wanted to sort of, I thought would be interesting to discuss is that, and he asked a second question. We'll get to that. But like, we wouldn't do that. I don't think any of us here really like giving bad reviews. No. Um, for a few reasons. One, dancing on a grave isn't too much fun. You know, if we don't like a book, we tend to just not talk about it because it doesn't do anybody any good. Two, I, I remember, I've written a couple of bad reviews in my time on the website, and I hate, I just don't like doing it. I don't like the way it feels. I don't like the way that people really react strongly to it. Right. People love it. We always had the most... Yes. The most views in any article on a fanboy was always when it was negative. Yeah. Those end of the year pieces, it was like a litmus test. Ron would do the five best things in comics and the five worst things. The five worst things would always get like three times as many views as the five, the five yeah. best things. 
it always bum us out. Totally would. And we totally want to, I mean, like, we do try to use our time to promote things we like. That's always really sort of, since, since the site took off at a certain point and we started doing the podcast, like, that's our thing. That's, that's what we stand for. And we've never done an episode devoted to the worst in a time period. That would be for the same reason. We would never do that. Now, you know, before I'm way up on this cross, we have totally talked about bad books. And we've totally. had fun times talking about some really bad books. But they kind like, it's few and far between, and it's usually very deserved. Right, and I can only think of a handful. Like every like people who've been listening for a long time, like they remember like when we really went after something because it was terrible, and I guess you could say it was deserved or not deserved or whatever. But I I don't think we, any of us really walk away. It's kind of fun at the time. Then after, you're just like, well, you know, those guys were trying. Right. <laughs> I mean, that's honestly how I feel, and I, and I so we tend to not do that very much. And even like when we talked about books, you know, like Lobot, like sounding weird or something, and and you don't want to read it, you know. I'm still reading it. I want that book to succeed. I like the creators. I like the things, but it's like, that didn't really work for us. And I think that we try, when we do have criticism, I think we try really hard to make them fair and legitimate. Right. Which is another thing that we, that's our, that's our creed. We're fair and balanced. <laughs> yeah. No, that's, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, finally, uh, I, I, is, do you have anything to add to that? I don't want to. To that particular thing, no. Or any of it. You, now, to address the second question, is there a book that when you look back on it, you can't believe you, you previously enjoyed it? I, there must be many. Third question, Josh. Third question. Yeah, second one was with the episode devoted to a specific time period. No. No. No, because that would sort of, but that sort of fits under the, into the right. other thing. Like we wouldn't. Uh, mm, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure there are books I would look back on, and but I, I don't know. I can't think of any. I would say that if anything, my taste in style has changed. I don't like the kinds of things that I used to necessarily. Mm-hmm. So like when I went back. I don't know, a year or so ago, and I read through all of Powers. Right. Really didn't enjoy it the way that I used to. At the time, I thought, oh, I'm really... You know, it's the same thing. I, I used to love Kevin Smith movies, and now I really don't, with the exception of certain jokes in Jane Silent Bob Strike Back. <laughs> and, and, and I like Clerks. Clerks is a fun. Uh, you, really, you really took it to me that day on the street, is what I'm saying. I think, I think there's a lot of the... Some of the... No, not a lot. Some of the New 52, I think I was trying to like more than I did. I haven't gone back and read The Flash. And I don't really want to, you know? I made Justice League number one by Johns and uh, Jim Lee the pick of the week. Mm-hmm. Because at that time, at that week, it was refreshing and exciting. Right. I don't think I made it more than a few issues. Right. Well, the, the pick of the week is a snapshot of a time period. It's like, uh, yeah, it's, it's what all you're feeling in, at that moment. Yeah, it's all in the context of things that's happening. I was really excited. Here's a more recent one. Like, I was really excited to read astronauts and not astronauts in trouble god hates astronauts right and i really did enjoy it for for quite a few issues but after a bit like that much random wackiness i kind of tired of it because it ultimately doesn't feel like it's going anywhere right all those concepts are funny and and whatever like it wasn't it wasn't lacking it's just for me i wanted it to be something more and and that happens to me a lot like i'm good for four to six issues of something sometimes and i'm like that's enough that's you've done what you're gonna do i'm happy with this right there's definitely there's things, but that has to do more with like changing tastes and, and stuff, I think. Well, let's do one from John from Manchester in the UK. And he says, I've been reading comics since 2010 when I was 25. And fuck you, John. <laughs> Sorry. And started listening to the podcast around the same time. I just hate everyone younger than me. I know. I know. It wasn't personal. I, I know. You could be anyone, John. You represent, you represent them all. I can't admit to being a regular reader since I picked up the hobby. At my peak, I'd go to the, my local comic store once every couple of months and pick up 10 to 15 single issues and sometimes a, a trade. 
However, this has really dropped off in the last couple of years. I've noticed a trend in my purchases. Occasionally, number one issue will have me interested and I'll pick it up. If I go back for number two, it's rare that I'll go beyond number four or five. I find myself craving self-contained stories lasting four or five issues. In other words, I've realized I don't really enjoy serialized stories. I love books like Baltimore from Dark Horse where an individual story can last between one and four issues. I've occasionally missed a story by mistake, but it hasn't taken away from one of the one I'm reading. Is this something you felt in your long and illustrious comic reading life? Yeah. You certainly felt it. Yeah, I, I don't know if it's even in this. I think it's in the opposite way, though. Although it depends on the material. I think you change around and you, and you move and, and your attention span. You know, I, it may have something to do. When you read comics for a really long time, you start to see patterns. And then sometimes you get tired of those patterns. Mm-hmm. Um, and what you're looking for is a way to get out of that rut. And I totally understand. Hey, I like that first issue. And the second one comes around. You're like, I don't remember what it was I liked about it. Because you've seen a million things since then. Some books, I feel like they have a great first issue idea. And then there's not really... And this happens in TV shows, too, where there isn't really a, a good idea to sustain this, this concept for a long time. Yeah, I mean, uh, Peter Panzerfaust is probably a pretty good example of that. That was mm-hmm. a pick of the week. I really liked the concept. It went on for, I want to say, near 30 issues or something like that. And by the end, I was like, I think it's right. still coming out. No, no, it ended. Did it? Oh, I feel like no. I just saw an issue. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> is this the reverse? No, I think it ended. I think that was the last issue. Oh, well, I haven't read it, so I don't know anymore. I was. Like, there was, if it wasn't the last issue, it was like the last for now. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, it, 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 it wrapped up a bit. But that was one where, like, that probably went on a lot longer than I had the interest to sustain it. I like serialized storytelling a lot, but I find it more difficult in comics these days because, A, there's fewer pages than there used to be, so there's, there's less story. Mm-hmm. And B, a lot of storytelling, a lot of modern storytelling is still very decompressed. So you don't get a whole lot. No, we were just talking about that with action comics. Yeah, some comics you do. Like, you know, mm-hmm. the Baker books are very dense, the ones we read this week. But uh, So that's why I've started gravitating more towards trades. But I still like serialized storytelling. I still, I mean, that's what television is. I like, I like that a lot. You will watch a lot of case-based shows, though, right? Oh, yeah, I totally love. Uh, but that's still, that's still serialized storytelling. So. Sort of, week to week. Yeah, but usually like there's a new thing they do each week and there's not one it's not a novel as opposed to Sure, but it's uh, I still consider that to be it's still a different kind. It's it, mm-hmm. But I do love uh procedural shows, but I do like that. I just feel like I'm getting less of my money's worth and my money I mean time and emotional attachment worth with with comics than I used to. And and, and you know, you have a lot of other things to pay attention to sometimes. I mean, we all get older. <laughs> I still like them. I just, it, I never, I've never had that crisis of conscience where I'm like, oh, do I enjoy this? I've always enjoyed it. It's just, mm-hmm. is the format what I enjoy? Like, I, ne- I didn't enjoy reading the DC books digitally. I stopped doing all, reading all those. And those were mm-hmm. coming out every week. Yeah, I couldn't get into that groove either. It's just too little, too much. You know, what's interesting about his question is that um, he's talking about this with issues. Mm-hmm. If I were to switch to trades, this is what would happen to me. I would buy the first trade. And then whenever the next one came out, six, 12 months later at some point, I wouldn't do it. Right. Most of the time. I, right. I know I would drop off. Right. The fact that they come out monthly helps me keep up with things. Um, whereas if they were further than that, I would just, I would just have moved on. Uh, I mean, unless it was really amazing. Something like Saga or, you know, like, you're, you're still reading Walking Dead. Are you still reading Invincible? Yeah. In trades? It's uh-huh. like that. Like, there's a couple of those that you could do. Those were really good for that kind of thing. I also do like, I'm trying to read, read through his email. I do like the individual stories. I do like, yeah. 
you know, self-contained for it. I mean, he's, what he's really talking about is the miniseries, which has fallen out of favor because the readership market doesn't read them. The, the market, market doesn't read them. Support miniseries, so they don't make them. Or if they're making them, they don't tell you. Yeah, they 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 don't. They lie by omission. They don't say it's a miniseries, and suddenly mm-hmm. there's suddenly the next issue says three of six, and you're like, what? It's really it's really interesting because we're always. You know, like reading a book, like is this a mini or not? And then more often than not, lately we're just like, I don't know, I don't know, right? I don't know if this has it, which is, and then all of a sudden something will end at issue twenty or issue thirty, and you're like, oh, I guess that was it. Well, like I didn't know Airboy was a mini. Yeah, I didn't know Prez was a mini, although I could have told you it would be a mini. Yeah, I kept forgetting that 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 book Royals Masters of War that we so liked so much. I kept forgetting that was a mini because I didn't want it to be. But something like Airboy, which I love, totally should be a mini. And it is. They just didn't tell you because no one would have bought it. No one would have bought issue one if they said this is issue one of four. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of people wait for the trade, which is totally legitimate. But a lot of people just, for some reason, don't want to get involved in the miniseries. I don't know why. But the same thing happened with television. The miniseries went away for oh, like a decade. Yeah. And now they're coming back again. It's, it's, uh, it's really interesting. I, I, think, um, I think things have changed. Did you just read OGNs? It feels like that's about right, yeah. I remember when we were much younger... You're like much younger, like in like the John's probably, age. Yeah, no, much younger than that. Uh, do you remember? Like, at one point, there are a lot of miniseries because the conventional wisdom was that a lot of number ones were good. Right. So for you know when I was, let's say early '90s when I was reading Marvel, like there was a, there were tons of miniseries. Well, even even through the beginning two thousands, I remember reading yeah. all those uh, all those America's Best Comics were miniseries, weren't they? Mm, yeah, or, or short. Not- but that's what you did, right? You saw there was a there was just a lot of minis, a lot of short short series. Well, they also thought well, the two thousand you're talking about a time where they they were really going for the trades, so they thought well, we'll do four six issue chunks that we can sell in trades, and that'll be fine. And then now they've even they've gotten away from that. I mean, they're still doing those trades, but they're not calling them miniseries at a time, right? Because it's on the issues. Well, strange times. I really it's interesting to look at these sort of trends that are taking place over time and, and how they're marketing the books because that's really all it is I, I feel like before we move on i just want to clarify that because people will say i, I don't not enjoy reading comics i really really do i totally I, when there's a great week of comics i i'm so jazzed up by it it's i uh, love the art form now more than i ever have would i prefer to read them in collections and trades yes but i like reading i mean i like doing what we're doing i, I mean for me like it's it's a it's honestly just a war of attrition the things that i need to do in my life are uh, outstripping all of the things that I want to do, so I just I'm sort of used to me like, okay, I just won't do that anymore. So I have to really like work to fit the comics in, and mm-hmm. there I'm reading more comics now than I ever have. Right, a lot of good comics right now. Mm-hmm. Emails at contact at ifanboy.com or call the voice my line at eight 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 fanboys three two six two six nine seven. That's how you get in the show, and that's how you get your question on. If you do those things, tell us uh, who you are and where you're from. And uh, good questions this week from John and Justin. Now, a couple quick reminders or uh, heads up on shows. Uh, Ron did the Fantastic Four podcast with our buddy Jeff Kanata last week, and good for him for taking a bullet. Coming back and taking a bullet for the team. We don't have much. Uh, we, we said about comics, we don't, like, don't uh, want to give a bad review in a comic. We're pretty cool with it when it comes to movies. Yeah, whatever. I don't want a movie to fail, but uh, I don't feel bad. I want them all to be good, but they're not. it's a different stratosphere than people making comics. Yeah, exactly. But I did listen to the show, even though I haven't seen the movie, and the show was very enjoyable to listen to. Talk about two guys who are bummed out about a movie. Like our Man of Steel. Yeah. <laughs> our Man of Steel podcast, which wasn't like, it was just like, oh, that was sad, wasn't it? And I wasn't even sad at the beginning. Then by the end, I was like, I think you're right. That was a weird one. That's the one where we, we hadn't yet 
figured out how we felt about the movie, and we were trying to. I think we just watched it. We hadn't processed. We We had just seen it that day, and we were trying to be more positive about it than we than than it it warranted. But uh, (laughs) it just kept getting worse. Yeah. Then episode five hundred and. Why did he have to die? (laughs) He didn't. He didn't have to. Father, there was no reason. (laughs) No reason. None. Why was Pa Kent so awful? Saintly Paul Kent. Anyway, episode 501 is coming. That's going to be our live all email episode. We're not going to do episode 500. We're going to do 501. And so if you want to get your email on that show, uh, send Did the Kevin email. Did Kevin Costner just not want to be in the sequel? <laughs> send the email to contact at ifanboy.com and put 501 in the subject line. And this, for, this, for that episode, we'll be recording live. Uh, we'll be broadcasting it live on video. And we'll be doing your, uh, all your emails in a multi-hour episode to celebrate 500 episodes, Josh, of iFanboy. Quote, unquote, celebrate. <laughs> Hashtag not my celebration. 500 episodes. <laughs> so if you want to get on that show, get your emails in. Uh, we'll, when it gets closer, we'll give you a deadline on when you can get those in by. But uh, you have still have a couple more weeks to do that. Episode 501. That's, we've had so many shows that we haven't missed a week. That now we never can miss a week. <laughs> we, well, that's not exactly true. We take the last half of December off. No, no, but that's like a planned thing. But if it ever comes up that like schedules don't work or you can't, like it, it will happen. That's the thing I'm proud of now in retrospect. Like in the hundreds, you'd be like, well, if we miss a week, then whatever. Well, we're also much more flexible now. For instance, Ron's on the show. In the past, yeah. that would have really you know screwed us up. Now we're just like, fuck it, we'll just do two people. It's really good that he came along. He's <laughs> really making more flexible. No, he was the guy who was on it at first, right? Ron? Yeah. His name is familiar. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I feel like he was on in the beginning of the, of the show. It's, it's, hard to, it's hard to even keep track anymore. <laughs> so if you want to keep track of, say, what the pick of the week is, before the show, you can go to uh, Twitter. I'll, I'll do this for first. You can go to Twitter.com slash iFanboy or iFanboy.com slash iFanboy. We'll let you know about that, and we post uh, the show and all that stuff, and, and some other things that are going on there. You could just go to ifanboy.com, which is our website, which is still there, with years and years and years of content, all the stuff. You can find bad reviews on there. And Ron is slowly uploading all the old video shows to mm-hmm. our YouTube account, YouTube page, youtube.com yeah. slash ifanboy. So if, you ever, if you've never seen our old video show, if you're new to the show, for many years we did a weekly video show as well. Uh, I wonder, is he doing the minis too? I think so, yeah. Uh, well, he's, he's uploading tons of our video content to our YouTube page, so you can check that out at youtube.com slash ifanboy as well. A couple of idiots deciding to wear shorts on camera sitting on a couch. God, we were fucking stupid. It was really hot. <laughs> it was really hot. To be fair. We had those lights on in the room. So you can go to ifanboy.com see all that stuff. You can comment on this show. Uh, there you go. Comment on our thighs and our calves. Oh, God, it looked awful. If you like the show, write a review on iTunes. Even if you don't like the show, just write a review. Some people find podcasts. It helps us out. It helps out any podcasts you listen to. So if you do listen to podcasts, the best thing you can do to support them is to write a quick review on iTunes. It doesn't have to be in-depth. You don't have to write the fucking Magna Carta. Just write a quick quick uh, couple lines of what you think and review the... Give them some stars. You know? I feel like that was unnecessarily harsh. I'm just saying, you don't have to write a book. Just a couple lines. Yeah, that's, that's fine. All. And then you didn't click the star and then hit submit. Mm-hmm. That's all it takes. So, so just do it. Just do it. You just get get on with it. You could even still probably leave a review for Round Comics. I'm sure they're still up there somewhere. Why would you do that? <laughs> okay, Josh. Litters. I'm glad. Uh, Why are we still talking about them? We have to like. We, I think I think that makes us the bad guys. Oh, totally. I mean, they're like they're not. None of them are listening to get the joke. It's called being a sore winner. 
Ouch. Okay. <laughs> See what I did there again? Yeah, no, I caught that. <laughs> I, caught, I liked it too. Oh boy. Uh, all right. So uh, until next I week. I, I, I feel like it's one of those things. Like we, I, I feel like there are enough people that we should need to explain to. Like, we know that we like them. They're our buddies. They are, and the, the, because of that, we remember them. <laughs> sometimes, uh, sometimes there are people who don't understand our sarcasm, and I feel like, why yeah, are you that's gonna happen. But I also feel like, <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, okay, I'm sorry. Wrap feel, it up. I feel like a sandwich, to be honest with you. I tell you what, it's, uh, you know what's happening here? What? I'm upstairs. I'm in a room with computers. Windows are shut. And the fans off, and it's August. Oh. It's pretty, pretty hot. <laughs> And just getting hotter every moment. Should we just continue talking about it? Nope. You sure? Nope. Long time listeners may recognize this was this was a bit. <laughs> I think it's time to stop. Can we stop? When we're dead. <laughs> oh, I'm sixty percent there. Until next week. That is it. <laughs> <laughs> I Say the names. I don't think around comics is on here anymore. Really? Sorry, I was just looking on iTunes. It's not showing up. That's a W. Until next week, I'm Connor. Josh, we win. <laughs> <laughs>